Welcome to another episode of the Chef Educator, the show that provides and discusses various teaching tools, tips, and techniques for the culinary, hospitality, and pastry arts educator. And now, coming to you through the airways from Palm Beach County, Florida, here is your host, doctor, professor, and chef, Mr. Colin Roche. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of the Chef Educator podcast. My name is Dr. Colin Roach, and I am your host. Today's episode is titled, Effective Lesson Planning. Now, before we start on today's topic, I want to give a little background information on the podcast for our new listeners. The Chef Educator podcast was created to be a comprehensive resource for both new and seasoned culinary, baking and pastry, and hospitality teachers, instructors, and faculty at both secondary and post-secondary educational institutions. Our hope is to offer a collection of practical and effective teaching tools, tips, and techniques that we can all use in our classrooms and our labs. And if this is of interest, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Okay, with that said, let's jump right into today's topic on effective lesson planning. So whether you're a new teacher, a part-time adjunct teacher, or even a veteran teacher, lesson plans matter. Because Learning is our ultimate goal as we deliver lessons to our students. And a lesson plan is the instructor's roadmap of what students need to learn and how it will be done effectively during that class time or that class period. So the quality of our lesson plans will in great part determine how efficiently class time is used and how much content our students learn each period or class. Now, don't get me wrong, lesson plans don't have to be lengthy. The key is to make sure they contain the main elements of the lesson. Remember, they're, they're meant to guide our instruction so that we can make maximum use of our classroom time. Lesson plans also do not have to be complicated, but each plan should include a few basic elements, which we are going to be talking about today. And when we use these elements to create a template, we can easily reduce the amount of time we spend creating lesson plans. And yes, it's true that as we become more experienced teachers, our lesson plans may become more internalized. And we may no longer need to you know, write as many detailed plans. However, even experienced teachers can benefit by writing out detailed lesson plans. I've been teaching for close to 25 years, and I still do it myself. And today, most schools require teachers to submit lesson plans of some sort. So you have to at least write some sort of lesson plan to obtain a job or to keep a teaching job. But to me, writing lesson plans is much more than just another piece of paper or checking a box. It's a way to ensure that we have prepared for each class and that we stay on track when we're in the class. Now, many school districts also have lesson plan templates that they want their teachers to use. However, if your school or district does not have a preferred you know, template, creating one for yourself is very easy. You could even do a quick internet search, which will provide you with you know, numerous examples of all different types. And for those that have access to my book, Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tips, there are you know, lesson plan templates for both lab classes as well as academic classes in there under the lesson plan chapter. So you could easily you know, use those and, and use them as a, to draft your own lesson plans. 
And using a lesson plan template is very beneficial because it allows you to draft lesson plans more quickly. Then when you actually teach the lesson, you can just follow the roadmap that you created, which helps reduce stress and cuts the risk of running out of class time or not meeting our, our goals that we set for ourselves. And neat, easy to follow and thorough lesson plans will also please your school administrators as well as any accreditors that may be visiting. In short, streamlining your lesson plan is an easy way to reduce demands on your time and improve your students' experience, a win-win situation. Now, regardless of the form you use, though, every lesson plan should contain the same basic elements. And these pieces of the lesson plan will help you define why you're teaching the lesson, how it's going to be taught, and what will be taught and accomplished, and how you're going to measure to make sure that that uh, learning is happening. So now let's talk about lesson plans from a general point of view, and then we can get into some specifics. So before you plan your lesson, you will first need to identify the learning objectives for the class meeting. Then, as mentioned, you can design appropriate learning activities and throw up assessments so you can get feedback on the student learning. So first, objectives for student learning, then the teaching and learning activities, and lastly, strategies to check for student understanding. So here is how I do it. And because there's so many important things that I, I want to teach, sometimes it's hard to focus. So the tool I use is backwards design, which I spoke about in episode one of this podcast, because it's often used for course design. However, it can also be a great tool for lesson planning as well. I mean, the process is basically think about what you want students to achieve by the end of your lesson, and then you work backwards to plan the teaching and learning that needs to happen in order for the students to meet those goals. In other words, specifying concrete objectives for student learning helps us, the teacher, determine the kinds of teaching and learning activities that we will use in class. And then those activities will define how we will check whether learning objectives have been accomplished. We just need to think about the level of mastery that we hope the students will have by the end of the lesson, and then we plan backwards from there. So now let's get into the specifics. There are six specific steps that I use when I create or prepare a lesson plan. Step one, just mentioned, is to outline those learning objectives. This is the first step, determine what we want our students to learn and be able to do at the end of the lesson. So begin with the end in mind. So you think about students will be able to blank. Students will be able to what? That's what you need to fill in. In other words, list what the students will be able to do by the end. And use action verbs, and not too many. I only write somewhere around two to five objectives for a lesson. Not too many. You only have a certain amount of time. And these objectives should also be SMART, which, as you know, is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and, and timely or time-bound. And here's a SMART objective for culinary arts, one of the majors that I might teach. Uh, Students will complete a Venn diagram to compare two international cuisines with five common characteristics and five characteristics specific to each culture. You can see that it's in there, it's specific, measurable, obtainable, it's relevant, and it's going to be within the time constraints of my one class or course. And to help us identify what objectives we should have for student learning, 
just ask yourself a few simple questions, such as, what is the topic of your lesson? What do you want students to learn? Uh, what do you want them to understand and be able to do at the end of the class? And what do you want them to take away from this particular lesson? So to ask yourself, once you have the answer to that, you can then uh, outline these objectives and rank them in their terms of their importance because that will help us prepare for managing class time and accomplishing the more important learning objectives in case we get pressed for time. So we want to rank them. And to do this, I ask myself, well, what's the most important concept, idea, or skills that I want students to be able to grasp and apply, and why are they the most important? And then, if I ran out of time, which ones can I not skip? And which ones could I skip if I was pressed for time? So we're going to rank them. Must know, you know, kind of like to know, good to know. So we want to have those in some kind of order. Number two is to develop the introduction. Now that, you know, we've got these learning objectives in order of their importance, we need to design the specific activities we will use to get the students to understand and apply what they learned. And because we will have a, you know, diverse body of students with all different experiences and different academic backgrounds. Some of them are going to be already familiar with the topic. Therefore, we should always start with a question or an activity to gauge the student's knowledge of the subject and possibly even get some information on their preconceived notions about it. For example, you could just take a simple poll by asking the class, uh, how many of you have heard of X? Raise your hands if you have. You know, that's kind of giving you an idea of what they know. And then you could go further and say, oh, explain, what is it? Or how do you know? Or tell me about it. We could also gather background information from our students prior to class by sending students, you know, a survey, electronic survey through email, or by asking them to write comments on index cards in that first class, you know, right at the beginning of class. Hey, write down what you know about this or define this for me. This information can help how we introduce the topic, as well as shape the learning activities we have planned. Because when we have a good idea of our students' you know, familiarity with the topic, we will then have a sense of what we should focus on. For example, one of my classes that I currently teach, I administer a pretest on day one to help me learn what my students know or don't know, so that then I can plan my upcoming classes you know, more effectively. You know, because it's a costing class, it has some math, so I need to know where they're at. Do they know what percentages are? Do they know what fractions are? Before I even get into recipe costing. Now, okay, now in order to engage the students right away, too, we've got to build some excitement. You know, we're going to want to develop, you know, a creative introduction to, to the topic. You know, engage them, stimulate their interest, encourage their thinking. And we can use a variety of approaches to do this. You, know, you could start with a you know, personal anecdote. You could tell a story, you know, a historical event, you know, maybe a video clip, a little short video clip. I've done that before. You know, even probing questions, throw out some questions to them. So, again, you want to get them engaged right away before you start with that lesson. And this is where we clarify the objectives, you know, set the tone for the lesson, the learning, engage the students. You know, we're going to maybe want to list some specific activities we're going to use to focus the students and set that tone. This is where we really sell our lesson and getting the students excited about what we're about to teach them. 
you know, tap into their prior knowledge if they've already you know, revealed some of that. You know, prepare them for this new content that you're about to introduce. And I find scripting helps. You know, it's very helpful for me to write down exactly what I plan to say when teaching a lesson. Now, I, I don't actually end up reading the script, but the act of writing it down allows me to figure out the best way of explaining the information. So I have it written down and I can refer back to it. And this can be especially effective strategy when teaching difficult content, because sometimes we don't know what's going to be confusing to the students until we start Start trying to explain it to them. So by having that written down, you know, it really helps us. Step three, plan the specific learning activities. This is the body of the lesson. You know, we've already have our objectives. We've done our introduction. We've hooked them. We've set the tone. And now we're going to get into the meat of it, right? This is where the content goes, the body of the lesson. This is where we'll have our readings, films, lectures, discussions, any other methods that you use to achieve these objectives and write down the information the students will need to know and how it's going to be delivered. I prepare, you know, different ways of explaining the material. I'll put down some real life examples, you know, visuals, analogies, anything to catch the attention of more students and appeal to different learning styles, get them excited. And as we plan these examples and our activities, I also want to estimate how much time we will spend on each of those. So right next to it, I'll write down times. So, and, be sh and I build in extended times and for, you know, more time than I think I'm going to need for explanations or discussions, you know, for learning that happens spontaneous. But I'm also prepared to move on quickly to different, you know, problems, different applications, different topics if I need to. And so I also want to put in there a different uh, strategies to identify, to check for understanding, check for learning. So some of the things you want to ask yourself when you develop this part of your lesson plan is, you know, how are you going to explain the topic? And how, what are you going to do to illustrate the topic and in different ways? And how are you going to engage the students? And what are some, you know, real life examples and situations that maybe you could use to help the students understand the topic? And what will they need to do to help them understand it? You know, maybe there's an activity. You know, maybe there's a, a think-pair-share. Maybe there's some other, you know, classroom activity that you're going to include. And in this section, also, be sure to put any materials that you're going to be needing. You know, think about what you're going to need to teach this lesson. What supplies are you going to need for yourself or for the students? And don't forget about technology. Do you need any technology in here? I believe having your resources all lined up ahead of time will save you valuable class time and it gives you a great peace of mind. So I put that in my lesson plan so I can check and make sure I'm going to have those things on that day. Make sure you have everything you'll need so you're ready to roll when your students arrive. You, know, you don't want to be scrambling around in the middle of a lesson trying to locate supplies or handouts which you thought you had only to realize last minute that they're not where you thought they were, you didn't bring them, or you didn't have them. You know, so you want to have all that stuff, that mise en place. And when your materials are in place, you don't have to worry about them. right? You can devote all your energy to teaching the lesson. So your materials list could be anything you need. So put down paper, pencils, uh, laptop, document cameras, uh, products that you're going to be demoing. If you're going to do a demo, you want to write, obviously, all the food products, but also any equipment that you're going to be using. 
list that equipment, list that audio visual. Do you want a, a projector and a screen? Or if you're going to show a movie clip, maybe you don't have that in the room. You have to bring in a portable one. Uh, what are you going to use in for a crafting you might need to have? And you need some scissors. Do you need glue? you need tape? The point is to make sure you have everything you need and that it all works before the start of class to avoid wasting time. And check that technology and ensure that you have the tools that you need for the lesson. Again, have that list and all the procedures and all that written down there is a great way, you know, to make sure that you are prepared. And in this section is also where the direct instruction goes. As I mentioned, this is the meat of your lesson. It's where you present the new concept. You've got to make sure you speak clearly and concisely. But remember, less is more. And stay on topic. Get your points across. And do this. Maybe it's a demonstration. You've got to demonstrate is a great, great tool. You know, they get to see it. It's a visual. So maybe you want to demonstrate like a, a lab class of a cooking technique, but you can also demonstrate something on the whiteboard or using a document camera as you model your teaching. If it involves a process, show the process. Speak aloud, make sure they all know. And in culinary arts, I'm constantly conducting demos for the students and preparing various ingredients and products or cooking methods. So again, you want to model exactly how you want it done. And in here, I also suggest you create a key vocabulary list. Put it right into this part. Is that way there you'll make sure that you talk about it, you add it into the lesson, right? Helps you remember the terms you need to make sure the students understand as they work through that lesson. So write it right in there. I'll put it off to the side, key terms, and I'll put these amounts and maybe make sure I hit upon those. Okay, I want to take a quick pause here at this halfway point in the show to recognize our sponsor, the Colony Hotel, with locations in Kennebunkport, Maine and Delray Beach, Florida. With their generous support, this podcast is able to be produced and shared with all of you. So please consider their gorgeous resort properties for your next vacation. To find out more information, check out their website at www.thecolonyhotel.com. That's www.thecolony, C-O-L-O-N-Y, hotel.com. Okay, so step four is to plan to check for understanding. So now that we've explained the topic and we've illustrated it with different examples, we need to check for student understanding. In other words, how will we know that the students are learning? This is also known as the assessment of student learning right, in this part. Now, not every lesson needs a written test or a quiz, but each lesson should check for student understanding. For example, you could ask questions during class to determine if the students remember or understand the material. And whether you plan to assess the students informally with questions or formally with a quiz or a test, write your intended assessment method in this section of your lesson plan. So then you know if you have to get copies or if you have to do some printouts. And some teachers find that by writing the assessment first, they're better able to focus their lesson on what is essential. So think about specific questions you can ask students in order to check for understanding and write those questions down. I put them right into my lesson plan and then I paraphrase them so that I'm prepared to ask the question in different ways. And this is actually a form of formative assessment, right? I'm asking them to make sure that they understand. And I also try to predict the answers my questions are going to generate. And then I can keep building upon those. You know, whatever answers I get back, I can say, okay. And then I can take it another level further. 
So decide on what questions you're going to ask students. Check for understanding. Write those down. Um, what are you going to have students do to demonstrate that they are following along? And go back to your, our list of learning objectives. What activities can we have students do to check whether each of those has been accomplished? And in this area also, don't forget accommodations for any students with special needs. You know, do any of them have any accommodation requests? You know, maybe you have English language learners in class. You know, write down any special accommodations such as extra time or any of your students may need so that you can factor this in. Put it right in your lesson plan. And then in this section is also where we put the guided practice. So after we've presented the new concept, we've modeled examples, you know, we've involved the class... Now the students are ready for guided practice. This is the part of the lesson that gives the students the opportunity to practice what they have been taught. This is where they get to apply these new concepts, you know, whether that's independently or you're going to have them do it in groups. And when you do this during class time, it allows you to see firsthand if they got it or not. And while they're doing it, you can then offer feedback and guidance as needed. Maybe this is a good time you want to pair students up. So put that in your lesson plan. Again, list the activities that will guide student practice, keeping in mind, though, the appropriate time frame. How much time do you have for them to do that? You know, whether it's a, you know, a math problem in the academic classroom, maybe it's a writing sample. If you're in the lab, maybe it's them cutting the vegetables, maybe them sauteing something. You know, this is their guided practice. And while they're doing this practice, be sure to circulate around the room or the lab. Check for understanding as the students work. Pause them to clarify as needed. You know, if you notice an area where many students are confused or struggling, stop and address this particular point with the entire class. Everybody gather around. I want to show this again. Or put it up on the board. And if necessary, go back and model a few additional examples, you know, followed by additional guided practice. You want to make sure your students are applying the concepts correctly rather than practicing mistakes. So this is where they're doing their demonstration of learning. You know, they call it DOL. It's how we as teachers evaluate whether or not our students have met our lesson objectives. So again, it could be a short quiz, could be a problem, an activity, it could be an exit ticket. But it's very important that, you know, it reflects the learning objectives and allows the students to apply what they've learned during the lesson. So purpose of this is for them to provide you with valuable feedback, which should then drive your instruction, okay? It's maybe student performance tells you if you need to, it'll tell you if you need to go back and reteach the same lesson the following day, or if the students are ready to move on to the next lesson. And in here, I also is where I put my assignments. I told you this is the big meat of the, of the lesson plan. So any assignments, and assignments are what the students do, you know, the what of a lesson. May include worksheets, papers, projects, anything else completed by the student in class or at home. Determine how you have the students practice this skills or the information you just taught them. So maybe they're going to do something at home. Um, they're going to have a little worksheet, or they're going to have to do a little bit of a research. So this is those assignments in there. And once you determine how students will practice the skills you taught them, write out step by step instructions. Step five is to develop a conclusion. And I also like to throw in there a preview, you know, kind of build on it for the next class. So first, go over the material covered in class by summarizing the main points of the lesson. And you can do this in a number of ways. We can, as the teacher, can state the main points ourselves. Like, today we talked about dry heat cooking. 
Or we can ask a student to help summarize the main points. Or we can ask all students, maybe write down on a piece of paper what they think the main points of the lesson were. You know, this is helpful because we can then review the students' answers to gauge their understanding of the topic and then follow up at the next class to explain anything unclear. So to give us feedback on the intended learning, we can ask the students, what did you learn? You know, it may be different from what we expected them to learn. What kind of review or assessment would be best used for this lesson? You know, list with it, whatever that is in that lesson plan. This is where we wrap it up. Quick synopsis of the lesson. You may want to ask students to use a think-pair-share or to report out or share something they learned that, that class period and to provide examples of the concept taught. Whatever it is, keep it short and sweet. You're just having that conclusion. It's the wrap-up. I like to conclude the lesson not only by summarizing the main points, but also by previewing the next lesson. You know, how does the topic relate to the one that is coming up? This preview kind of sparks the student's interest and helps them connect the different ideas within a larger context. And step six is to create a realistic timeline. You know, many of us know through experience how easy it is to run out of time and not cover all of the main points that we had planned to cover. Sometimes it's because we try to cram too much in, you know, so that's why I like to have a, a list of learning objectives. I, I told you 10, 12, too many. It's not realistic. Narrow that list down. Two, three key concepts, ideas, skills that you want the students to take away from that class. Experienced teachers will also agree that we often need to adjust or change our lesson plan mid-stride, right in the middle of class, depending on what the students need. Again, our plan is just an idea, a guide, a plan. But sometimes it's not working. Don't stick with it. Change it up mid-strides. This isn't working. Let's try something new. So having a list of prioritized learning objectives helps us make those decisions on the spot and adjust our lesson plan as needed. So we know what we have to cover and what is just good to have or good to cover. So, and they have additional examples or alternative activities. This allows you to be more flexible. You know, a realistic timeline will reflect this flexibility and this readiness to adapt to the specific classroom environment that's presenting itself. Here are some strategies for creating a realistic timeline. First, estimate how much time each of the activities will take and then plan some extra time. Okay, you always build in a little cushion. And when you prepare your lesson plan next to each activity, write down specifically how much time you expect it will take you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, and plan a few extra minutes at the end of class too for any questions or for you to sum up the key points. Um, I also, as I mentioned, like to plan an extra activity or discussion question in case there is extra time, which doesn't happen very often. But once in a while, I'll be like, wow, I have an extra 10 minutes of class. I can fall to that question and, you know, keep them engaged. But the main point, be flexible. Be ready to adjust your lesson plans to the students' needs and focus on what seems to be more productive rather than sticking to that original plan if it's not working. Plan out that instructional time. Now, this is a challenge. I put my time estimations right on the lesson plan. You know, I'll say opening video, five minutes, cost control worksheet, students are going to spend 30 minutes, reflection, five minutes. You know, put it in there and then jot down the actual time that it actually does take to the, right next to it on the actual plan. This way here, having your plan times next to your what it actually took you helps, one, to keep you on track 
but it also, when you teach the class again, you can update your lesson plan. Because now you know, well, I budgeted or estimated five minutes for this, but it only took three. So now you've got extra time. Or maybe it took 10. So you've got to allocate more time the next time you teach the class. So that's it. That's what I do. Now, not all teachers will use this kind of format to create lessons, but rather they use what works for them. However, I believe this format will provide a basic framework that anyone can use, and then you can kind of update it or tweak it for your own system for designing lesson plans. You know, be creative, use what works for you and your students. One thing I do highly recommend and suggest and something that I do is that you always reflect on your lesson plan. Because a lesson plan may not work as well as you had expected, you know, due to different circumstances or reasons, but don't get discouraged. It happens to everybody. It happens to me. So as I said, I take a few minutes after each class to reflect on what worked well and why and what I could have done differently. Identifying successful and less successful you know, organizations of the class time or the different activities makes it easy to adjust to contingencies of the classroom. And I actually include this section at the end of each of my daily lesson plans where I take notes and I add comments so that I can edit, change, or refine the lesson plan the next time I teach the class if necessary. So after teaching a lesson, make notes on the lesson plan's perceived successes and failures. You know, did the students need more time than anticipated for a specific activity? Write it down so the next time you can make an adjustment. Did the students really love an in-class activity you tried? Write that down. Make sure you do that again. Remembering the everyday details of how well a lesson went is difficult. But by taking the time now when you're actually teaching it to reflect, you can really improve your future lessons. And for me, I always, always overplan, overplan, overplan. To me, it's much easier to cut things out of a plan or continue it the next day than to try to fill up 15 or 20 minutes of you know, extra minutes when I finish early. So I always overplan. And another tip, always, always, always save your lesson plans. While you may be assigned different subjects next year, you could reteach a course in the future. So I always keep them. So even if you don't teach the subject for years, you can pull out your old lesson plans, look at your reflections, look at your suggestions that you wrote, and quickly create a new up-to-date lesson plan. So simplify your life by keeping all of your lesson plans and all of your course materials, put them in a folder electronically or you know, hard copy, and keep those. Then you just bring them out the next time and update them. In addition to your basic lesson plans, make sure you save copies of all the handouts, assignments, and assessments. You can arrange this material any way you'd like, but I think keeping everything for a particular you know, unit or class in a labeled binder is easiest. And as I mentioned, the next time you teach a course, you simply pull out the appropriate set of materials for each unit, make any necessary revisions, and get right to teaching. Remember, good lesson planning is essential to the process of teaching and learning. A teacher who is prepared is well on his or her way to a successful instructional experience. The development of interesting lessons takes a great deal of time and effort. And whether you are a new or seasoned teacher, you must be committed to spending the necessary time to do this. Okay, in summary, having a carefully constructed lesson plan in hand allows you to enter the classroom with considerably more confidence. 
And with the information I just covered, you should be able to plan lessons in an effective and organized manner and hopefully even reflect upon previous lessons you have taught in order to improve and strengthen them. It's also important to realize that the best planned lesson is worthless if interesting delivery procedures along with good classroom management techniques are not used. So to get more information on this topic, as well as many others, including charts, templates, and examples, be sure to check out the book titled Culinary Educators Teaching Tools and Tips, which is published by Kendall Hunt. My co-authors and I wrote this book as a comprehensive resource in an easy-to-understand style, and it's offered in both electronic and hard copies. To get more information, you can go to the Kendall Hunt website or even to mine at chefroach.com that's chefroche.com where i have a link to it under the book tab well that is all the time we have for this episode of the chef educator till we meet again keep learning keep teaching and keep cooking thanks for listening and bye bye